Hello and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders and it's great to be back with a new episode, finally. And also a brand new season of the show. Um, it's been a while. Um, I've uh, taken some time off to uh, reflect about the show and um, also trying to figure out where I want to take it in the future. And I've decided I'm going to make a few changes uh, when it comes to this show. So I want to take a couple of minutes now before we head into the real episode and, and talk about it. So I've been running this show now since uh, 2020 and it's honestly been a great journey. It has allowed me to talk with so many of my musical heroes. Um, and it's also been great to connect with uh, listeners all around the world who share my interest uh, for folk music and um, various related nerdy topics. <laughs> but lately I've struggled, honestly, to find the time to do this show properly. And uh, I mean, in addition to running this show, I also work full-time as a musician and a photographer. And back in 2020, the world was a very different place. <laughs> um, but this summer has just been incredibly busy. And as I said, I've struggled to find uh, to find time. So I figured going forward, I needed to structure things a bit more. So what we will do in the future uh, is to structure the show around a couple of seasons. So starting this week, I will release 10 episodes. Um, and there will be a similar season in uh, the spring. There'll probably be a couple of bonus episodes in the off-season, uh, I guess. But um, my aim this year is to make a couple of really solid seasons. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that will make it easier for me and probably also easier for you to know what to expect from the show. The other challenge with the show is that at the moment I don't make any money off of it. Um, and I mean, that's fine. I didn't start a podcast about folk music in order to get rich. That was never my uh, my goal. But I have been thinking lately about ways to make at least some money off of the show um, in order to cover my expenses, basically, but also to be able to dedicate more time to this podcast um, and possibly also realize more of my uh, really lofty dreams for this show. So I'm still thinking about ways to do it. Uh, I know that I don't want to put this show behind a paywall of any kind, so uh, don't expect that anytime soon. What I have done though is to create a Patreon account for the show. So if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's basically a platform where you can support various creators, as they call it. And uh, if you visit the the show account, you'll get the option of supporting the show with a monthly payment. And there's various tiers to choose from. Uh, and um, depending on which level you choose to support the show, there'll be various bonus content available to you. This will include live streams of some of the episodes, uh, Q&As with some of the guests, and also other things which you can read more about on the Patreon site. Now, I'll have to figure out as I go forward what kind of content I'll keep in the public sphere, so to speak, and what kind of content I will reserve for the Patreon backers. But as I said, the main episodes will remain 100% free. 
Now, I think that's it for the housekeeping. Um, I'm really excited about this new season of the show. Uh, there's some great guests coming up, so um, yeah, stay tuned for that. Now, in today's episode, I'm speaking with uh, Scottish multi-instrumentalist Anna Massey, and I was lucky enough to record this conversation uh, in person. Me and Anna met this summer at the uh, Norwegian folk music festival called Festivalen. Uh, great festival. It's really a world music festival, so there's folk music from all around the world. Um, it's well worth a visit if you're if you're able to go. In our conversation, we talk about Anna's musical background. Uh, we talk about her style on the guitar. And we discuss different tunings. We talk about her work with the band Blazing Fiddles. And we also get entangled in a strange discussion about where the Celtic trad scene is heading in the future. So, yeah. Lots of interesting stuff. I greatly enjoyed uh, our uh, conversation, and I think you will too. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Anna Massey. Anna Massey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back, actually, doing any sort of touring, but international stuff has been... Yeah. We've, we've missed it. Yeah, yeah, so definitely, much, and sure. I think this is the first um, this is the first international trip that Blazing Fiddles have done in a good few years, and yeah. it feels great to be back at it. And yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really exciting to be, be back at this because we're at the third international folk music festival in uh, Norway, Western mm-hmm. Norway. Um, you're with Blazing Fiddle, as you as you said. Yeah, that's uh, right. I've been here before. I was here, I think maybe five years ago, maybe six. Time's gone a bit strange in the last couple of years so um but yeah and i had kind of forgotten that i had been here and it was a it was a weird thing when we came from the airport on thursday we were coming down the the road in this big sort of twisting road down the side of the mountain and we're sitting in the van and i said to the guys i've driven this road before but it's um I've, i've played this road on a video game (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm sure this is from Need for Speed. I'm sure this is from a car racing oh, really? video game. And then we got further down the mountain. I was like, oh no, I've actually been here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not a bit, it's not my it's not my imagination. I've actually <laughs> been here before. Uh, yes, yeah, so I was here with a, a duo in, in a duo with Myred Green. I oh, think really? yeah, five or six years ago. Cool. Uh, but yeah, what a cool what a cool festival. There's so much yeah. going on. I think uh, I was here for the first time last year, actually. Right. And I think it's already my favorite festival, or one of my favorite festivals mm. anyway. Like, yeah, you see a lot of great music that you didn't know existed yeah. before. Yeah, so I think the first thing we did was on Friday morning. No, first thing I did was on Thursday night. We uh, Bruce McGregor and I did a little duo set up at the... Um, Jörström Museum. Yeah, the, the Farming Museum, and mm. you were playing. Yeah. And that was brilliant. That was the the first sort of taste of anything. And I think the the local the Spillman Slug were outside yeah. by the fire pit at group, like yeah. mm. one in the morning or something. And yeah. y- you were playing in the duo. That you had the harmonica and the yeah, harmonium. Har- yeah. and the, it was so lovely. And then Friday morning we played in the like the town square here, and there was I think a, a local youth band, mm. and then the Georgian. Yeah, I never heard anything like that. It oh was my incredible. God. So we were just sitting in the little tent at the side of the stage having a coffee after our, or maybe before our sound check, and all of a sudden this 
a huge this wall of sound like one guy singing and said oh right what's that and then another six guys joined in and it yeah, was yeah. just and it was kind of a blend of like yodeling almost and yeah. some really like Russian sounding heavy bass like yeah. I never heard anything quite like that no it was incredible and these these chords and clashes and then things resolve and, mm. and it was great they were there sort of just in their regular clothes and they turned up back for the gig and they're amazing yeah like the black yeah really like, like uh, something out of game of thrones yeah with like they've got daggers <laughs> yeah. and like they looked fully armed and ready <laughs> yeah. and then um yesterday afternoon bruce was down in the swimming pool and they were all in there singing in the swimming pool at the hotel oh huh. so, yeah, Wish I was there. Like, like three ladies just kind of swimming around and these seven guys all just singing oh they have the, kind of a gig in the in the no they were in, they were in okay, the pool yeah, yeah. they were in swimming and they're just the seven of them hanging out there after their show or like i think they sang in the in the church last night and in the afternoon they were just in the pool in the sauna for a, a <laughs> swim and just singing practicing i guess so yeah it's great it's so good to be back to festival stuff and mm. and hearing things for and the just first stumble time. across things yeah. like that yeah. because i mean some festivals you go to to see specific things i mm. guess like yeah you know those bands will be playing there so you go there to see mm. your favorite bands but for is such a great place to go to just discover something you have never you didn't know existed like yeah, um, yeah it's it's a really varied program i guess because it's a world music program obviously like yeah. it's it's so diverse that the the lineup is amazing and we went into dinner the night we arrived here and there was an african group in their amazing costumes they're yeah. in their sort of traditional dress it was absolutely beautiful and mm. then there's the georgian guys who are there in their traditional dress and these amazing songs that they're performing and yeah it's no, a really it's a, it's a really good program this yeah, year i think it's yeah. really great yeah. and also did you see the I forget the name of the group. It's like a xylophone group from Uganda. They play one giant marimba yes. xylophone instrument. I haven't seen them yet, but I think we're on the gala concert with them tonight. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm perfect, looking, yeah. looking forward to seeing yeah, that. Yeah, I've never heard anything like that. That's I can't wait. can't <laughs> wait to hear it. So I'm looking forward to tonight's show to, to hear lots. But I suppose you and Blessing Fields are here uh, to represent the Scottish part of the program. I guess I so. Reckon. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Uh, it's... It's lovely to to be here as part of that. I think the the thing with blazing fiddles is that, it, yeah, it's lovely to represent Scotland like that. But the the whole point of the band is that each of the fiddlers is from somewhere different. So each of the fiddlers has their own sure. style. So I guess it's kind of like a, a tapas thing where there's a there's a whole band, but within that band there's quite a few different regional exactly yeah. styles represented. So how long have you been with the band at this point? Oh, um, I do you know. I think it's maybe, it's maybe fifteen, fourteen or fifteen years. I've been oh, okay. quite. Is that right? I, <laughs> yeah. As it, again, times can kind of gone funny, but yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe fourteen, fourteen years ago. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's it's quite a like a, a nice feeling to be able to play with the same people for that long. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't had the opportunity to do it that many times in my life like mm. maybe this this one band i i spent more than 10 years in mm. and after all those years me and the, the drummer for example we had this kind of telepathic thing i yeah. like i know when when you do that i will do that and like it's all like you don't think it's just mm -hmm. you know each other so well on a musical level yeah and i suppose you maybe you have the same kind of same experience very much so yeah i think there's something really nice about that 
last week back in Glasgow, I was working on a brand new project with people that were not a band at all. We mm -hmm. were just all brought together to make this album of newly written music. And yeah. there's something really exciting about sure. discovering new relationships sure. like that. And it's really, it's it's kind of, you know, you're, you're sort of switched on the whole time and it's it's really exciting. But I think what I, what I love about uh, playing in Blazing Fiddles is that it's so comfortable. Yeah. And Angus, the, the piano player and I, he, he's been in the band, I think maybe nine years, 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and we've worked on various other projects as well as yeah. this. And there's a really nice, I suppose like, like a shorthand, the way you would write a note to yourself rather than having to write things out. You, you know, you, you have that really easy communication when something is so established. And so um, we, we understand how each other plays but we can also kind of predict. Uh, yeah. If you're doing that, it probably means this is going to come next. Yeah, or, yeah things like that. Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a nice thing of going, well, if, if I do this bit, then that means that you can, you can take another approach to it. So mm. that's, um, that's a really nice thing to feel that it's, there's that sort of unity, that real sort of um, strength at, at the back of it. But then the same, the same is true with all of the fiddlers. Um, so Bruce started the band, Bruce McGregor started the band over 20 years ago. And I think I'm the second longest member. But um, So Jenna Reid has been in the band maybe 11 or 12 years. And uh, Kristen Harvey and Rua McMillan have both been in the band for, I so think, So sorry, wh where are all the different fiddlers from? So Bruce is from Inverness in the Highlands. That, that's close to where you live, I suppose? Yeah, I'm from there, just outside there. Um, and Rua McMillan is also from around that kind of area. Jenna Reid is from Shetland and Kristen Harvey's from Orkney. Yeah. So everyone's kind of northern, mm -hmm. um, and Angus is from the south of Scotland near uh, near Glasgow. So everyone's got quite individual styles, but there's a lovely way where they kind of have all developed their own roles as well, I suppose, where um, if you need somebody to do this kind of like digging in aggressive thing. Yeah. Someone's going to be more suited to that and someone yeah. else is happy to do all like anything higher and like floaty things or sure. somebody, somebody's really into finding a harmony line and someone else is just like, I love this tune, so I'm going to stick to the melody. There's, there's a really nice kind of knowing your, knowing your place. It sounds like a negative, or it can be a negative thing, I suppose. You know? know your place but this that that thing of <laughs> knowing your role or understanding how you function yeah or what what you can bring to a bigger group like that and especially when there's so many people playing the same instrument yeah. it can be uh, tricky sometimes to okay so what do we all play the melody or yeah. whatever like yeah it's it's nice to to be able to explore different roles within mm. yeah so i saw your gig this was the first time i saw you live actually at um there's so many venues there i forget the names but uh down at Ferdehuse. Oh the, yeah, the theater last night. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, thanks. Uh, that so much energy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think well, part of that we all really enjoy it. It seems to be quite a happy band. We all enjoy each other's company. Yeah, that shows all, like well, that's that's great. And you're um, all cracking jokes uh, yeah. at each other on stage, and yeah, like we're we're so happy to be back doing it. And I think there's there always has been a lot of energy about a, a Blazing Fiddles gig. But I think particularly n now, everyone's so excited to be yeah, back. And, obviously, yeah. yeah. The first, I think it's the first time the band's been in Norway. Maybe, 
I, well, I've never played Norway with Blazing Fiddles, so it's at least sort of 16 or 17 yeah. years. Oh, okay. I think oh. maybe the band was here in 2005 or six or something, so a really long time yeah. ago. So it's, it's really exciting to come somewhere new and play a festival for the first time. It's like, I don't think the, the, the scene for Irish and Scottish music is so that big in Norway, unfortunately. Mm. I, I'm, at the moment, anyway, I think it used to be big back in the nineties, right? And it's slightly fallen out of uh, fashion. I, I don't know for a while. Why like, do you think? Why is that? I think it's because, no, well, I think it's because on the one hand you have the people who say that they like, they say Irish music, mm-hmm. and but they mean Celtic music, right? But what they really mean is like the Dubliners. Oh, okay. so when someone come shows up and plays something that doesn't have lyrics. Right. And you can't like shout the chorus. They don't. But <laughs> is this Irish music? Well, I didn't name? sign up for this. Yeah, where's the guy with the beard? <laughs> and then you have like okay. the other camp, like the the, the focus. Mm-hmm. But in Norway and Sweden, they tend to be very much into Norwegian and Swedish music. Okay, so so you, so your own traditional music is really it's popular it's, it's here. very strong. Well, That's I wouldn't great. I wouldn't say it's very popular. It's not like in Ireland and Scotland, right. but it's very popular in the scene like so okay. it's a very dedicated scene so if folk are into it they're really into yeah the the regional stuff exactly yeah. okay. but if you're not into it you probably don't know much about it at all okay whereas like i used to live in ireland for a while right and uh like well it depends where in the country you are i suppose but in Gaul, where i lived like you couldn't escape the music it was yeah. everywhere so even if you weren't like particularly into music or uh, folk music you would no, you you would have heard it. You yeah. would have known what it, and you would have seen a fiddle mm-hmm. played live. Right. Whereas I'd say most Norwegians probably haven't heard a fiddle in real life close up. That's, oh really? Uh, that's like, I think that's true. Okay. Which is uh, a bit sad, but uh, yeah. but like, where would they hear it if they don't know which festivals to frequent? True. And I think maybe the same thing has been true in Scotland, um, depending on where you grew up. You know, if you grew up somewhere more rural. The chances are there will have been a Kaylee dance in your village hall. So you would say like that that it still has like a um, it's still visible in the local community the folk music traditional I th- music. I think it was more so, and I think it's becoming more so now. Um, there's a there's a government movement at the moment called the Youth Music Initiative, which is a guaranteeing that each primary school child, or maybe up until the age of eleven, will have had an exposure to traditional music oh, and great. they'll have heard it and they'll have had a chance to huh. play some of it and so sometimes they're learning on a tin whistle or a ukulele which you know the ukulele that um real strong old, ukulele ultra, ultra traditional scottish scene. instruments yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess they're they're small portable instruments that small yeah, children can like, play but it's it's getting them into it and they're guitar learning. didn't used to be a traditional instrument that's, either. that's it exactly yeah. so they're 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 being exposed to it they're hearing it and they're getting a chance to play some of it when they're still really young and that wasn't the case but certainly when i was small when i was in school i heard folk music because my dad played in a Kaylee band and mm. my, my parents were into it so that's why i had heard it yeah um we would have probably gone to things in village halls and there would have been dances but the the reason that i was exposed to it and, and learned it was because it was in the family mm. so I guess we, I guess we can't assume that people are going to be exposed to it. So it's it's great to see that it's actually being taught and that these yeah. kids are even getting a small 
chance to try it. Yeah, it's not like everyone needs to be a master fiddler. It's no. just uh, to like know that it's there and yeah. maybe yeah, reflect over the fact that it's part of your uh, history and heritage and yeah. like it's a really nice feeling. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know when I grew up, I didn't know anything about folk music. I I started playing like blues and jazz and mm. those kind of styles. Even studied it in the university. So how did you get into folk music then? What ha- what happened? <laughs> yeah, to you? exactly. <laughs> First of all, I got a bit tired of the jazz thing, I think, for right. various reasons, and then I discovered Irish folk music and like fell deeply in love with it, as many people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I think I'm also the kind of person that I kind of I just fall in love with things, and then I get really nerdy about okay. it for a period of time. Right. So I just, uh, yeah, I moved to Ireland and 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 uh, played Irish music for a few years. That's commitment. Yeah, yeah. That's real commitment. Yeah. So, but when I came back to Norway, then I I didn't want to get, I didn't, um, I guess I just didn't feel at home in the jazz scene anymore. So right. then I gravitated towards the folk scene right. in Norway. And since not too many people played Irish child, I started playing Norwegian and, and Swedish chat and I even ended up discovering that there's actually traditional music where I come from in my valley which I didn't right. I had no idea when I grew up like really so that gig that you saw me play yeah. the other day that's that's music from where I grew up really local it's like extremely local yeah, very few people play those tunes okay. uh, so that was kind of a journey for me to like go around half the world to discover that there's actually music from my village as well isn't that funny the journey that the journey that it can take like the path that it can it can take to actually come back home again. Sure. And then, but, but how great to have discovered that passion, that interest for what was at home the whole time, but you just didn't know. No, I mean, I suppose you have to be ready for it, and, yeah. or yeah, your yeah. life has to be in the right place. Whatever. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't, you can't force it. It's no. got to be. It's no. got to be something that you you want to work at. I suppose. Exactly. So. Uh, I realized that this interview uh, is jumping around a lot, but mm. that's fine. <laughs> okay. Do you have a list? Do you have some... Oh, the list is out the window. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Already. Time ago. Already the list's gone. But, like, um, I'd like to talk a bit about your guitar style, mm-hmm. because okay. uh, I'm interested in that. Uh, I play a bit of guitar myself, uh, but that's not at all my uh, main instrument. But mm-hmm. um, I noticed you, you don't seem to use open tunings a lot. Is it no. mostly... Um, mostly standard tuning yeah i would say sorry let me rephrase the question like how did you first get started with the guitar like what's your uh, uh yeah how did it start how did it start it started with my dad okay um he always played i think he started as a teenager and was kind of self-taught just picked up the guitar and then when i was really small we lived in the very far northwest a really remote part of scotland and um I'd had a couple of piano lessons. There there wasn't really any music tuition in school. There wasn't much in the way of music tuition in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, I guess a few people played, but there was no sort of um, like formal tuition or anything. Sure. And it just started with my dad always played and I always wanted to do what dad did. Yeah. So um, he showed me a couple of chords. He, sh- he played mandolin and, and tenor banjo as well. So he'd shown me a, a few things um, on those instruments, but it was it was just guitar. Showed me a couple of chords, and actually um, he went all the way to Edinburgh, like which is I think maybe a six-hour, five-hour drive from up there. He went to this folk festival and played in sessions, and he slept in his car, and he woke up in the morning in this 
big car boot sale. Like mm-hmm. He had parked in a car park and slept there. Oh, well, and he woke got up, got up it was the like the, the, the sale was yeah. on. Like Everyone's like selling <laughs> stuff out of their car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he found a little classical guitar, like a kid's classical guitar for £10 and took it home to me. And that was my huh. first guitar. So it started with <laughs> dad just showing me a couple of chords and teaching me how to do a bit of rhythm. And I, I suppose it, it just continued from there. I started playing the fiddle shortly after that. We moved closer to Inverness, which mm. is still very far north, but uh, we, we moved down closer to Inverness and there were fiddle lessons and stuff in school. So I started more formal music lessons mm-hmm. then. But I was around seven when I started the guitar and Dad showed me the basics and for for the first few years it was kind of he would just show me things and never, I guess never in a formal way, in that way when if you're trying to, you know, a parent trying to teach a child something, yeah, it can't, I guess it can't be too strict or formal. So, yeah. I, like, I don't have a very strong memory after those first lessons. I remember really clearly Dad sort of showing me where to put my fingers and a bit of rhythm stuff. I don't remember anything specific after that, but there must have. There must have been <laughs> yeah. lessons and sort of learning tunes and things with him. And so you started go... playing traditional music fairly early on? Yeah, on the, yeah. always. Mm. I've always played trad because he played in Cayley bands. And I guess maybe he hadn't he hadn't started with trad stuff. They, um, Mum and Dad are from another part of Scotland and he'd always just sort of played and sang songs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and when they moved up to the Highlands, kind of discovered more of the, the trad stuff when they moved into that kind sure. of area. But for me, it was always sort of trad from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Before I played, mum and I would go to the dances. When dad was playing, I would go and learn the dances with my mum. Yeah. So that kind of music has just always been there. It's it's all like, it's always just, it's never been anything unusual to, to hear that kind of no. style of music. Mm. So I guess it came quite naturally to have those rhythms and, and play those kind of tunes. Yeah. And but you kind of know how it works. You know, you know yeah. that there are three or four different tunes in that set or something. Yeah. So, so that was a, a sort of, the introduction was before I knew that I was being introduced to it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the older I got, the more I played and I never... Um, how I old never were you when you started the fiddle, by the way? Eight. Okay, so quite early. So so quite young, yeah. And I had lessons in the fiddle all the way through school, and I never had any guitar lessons. I just, dad showed me stuff, or other people that we would play with. We would go to sessions and things in the pub, or you know, parties or Kaylee dances and things. And I would pick things up from other people who were playing. And I suppose everybody, when I was young it didn't feel like there were many people my age who were playing. Everybody that Guitar, I knew, you mean, that kind of, just folk music. Okay. I think I was just at the age where the, the sort of, there's a real groundswell of young people playing folk music in Scotland mm-hmm. for the last maybe, I don't know, 25 years. Yeah. It's been really growing. It's become yeah, it seems really like it's popular. Very popular. It's like a couple of different movements, mainly the Fesh movement, where kids go away for a residential week in the school holidays and they learn. I was starting It seems to like learn. it's cool these days. Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't cool no. at all, really. <laughs> or or it, was, it was just beginning to yeah. get cool. Um, but I was a bit shy and didn't want to go to those things. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really know anybody else my age that played. Um, but what was kind of cool about that was older musicians, grown-ups, would 
suggest things to listen to or to play or to try. Yeah. And so there were quite a few people who were really influential on my style and on what I learned and what I listened to. They were influential without ever sort of giving specific lessons or anything. There was just quite a lot of, oh, you might want to check that out and going away and mm -hmm. listening to things that mm. way. So it felt like quite an organic process developing a style. But was there any other guitar players around you could like emulate or learn from or take inspiration from? Well, in real life, yeah, there, there were a couple. So when I was, when I was 13, I started playing in a dance band, a Kaylee band with my dad. Can you just describe what the Kaylee band is? Okay, so um, it's a band, I suppose maybe three to five people who would go and a, a Kaylee dance would be just folk dances, tends to be in a village hall. Mm -hmm. um, you would normally, mostly, you would always have to have a fiddle and an accordion. These would normally be the sort of melody instruments. Yeah. Um, sometimes you'll get a drum kit, sometimes you'll have piano, sometimes it's guitar, maybe you'll have someone on the pipes. So it can be any sort of lineup really folk, folk but like big band like yeah but it's it's a pretty portable thing and you'd normally you'd normally have maybe like fiddle and accordion my dad played a bit of banjo in one mm. um and so yeah the a Kaylee sometimes it's you know a community Kaylee where you have a band playing for some dances and various people will come up and do a little like a party piece or oh so and so is going to come and give us a song yeah. and <laughs> they're famous for singing this song and there's a kid here who's been learning the bagpipes for two weeks and they're going to make a noise or yeah. a thing and so it, <laughs> it's that's, quite funny that with people have people that has party pieces yeah like they've been singing the same song for thirty years and people yeah. always that's ask it. them to do it like but there's that lovely thing so that's where I first was exposed to this kind of music and it was a really inclusive real community sure thing and there's a lovely thing that happens at these events possibly the same here where somebody will come and give you their famous song but because they always do this song everyone knows the song yeah so you'll get people Joining like on the chorus. that quiet mm, singing along yeah. in the chorus and <laughs> it just makes me feel like a kid again when i hear a room full of people singing like that mm. so that's a that's a kaylee and that's um well yeah when i was 13 i joined the Kaylee band that my dad played in. So I played fiddle, dad was on banjo. There was a woman called Melanie Simpson who played the accordion and her husband, Mike Simpson, played the guitar. And Mike was a, a real, a really big influence on my playing. Dad had been originally, he got me started and mm -hmm. taught me the basics. And then playing with Mike was really formative. I didn't often play guitar with him because he was the guitarist and I was on the fiddle but yeah. um, we spoke loads about music and he would sort of lend me CDs and tell me about bands that he'd liked or oh I've learned this chord progression you should check it out and he had a really interesting right hand his rhythm was really interesting to me because he'd been um, he'd been in the army He'd been in the army playing in the bag, the pipes and drums. So playing snare drum. So he was a snare drummer, mm -hmm. and his rhythm was always so. He was he had a really tight right hand, and he was always really into syncopation and offbeat stuff. Yeah. And I hadn't really met anybody that had played like that before. So that was I really loved playing with him and hearing him. And so I suppose he was one of the first really influential people in my playing. And then after that. It was 
I discovered Ian Carr's playing. Okay. And John Doyle. So I had a duet, uh, an album called Shush, which was Karen Tweed on the accordion and Ian Carr on guitar. And that Mm. blew my mind because Ian's always in standard tuning. Mm. But he was also uh, picking tunes as well as doing really interesting rhythmic things. And then I heard Solas, the Irish-American band with John Doyle. And he was doing this like, powerhouse just really really uh, strong rhythmic mm, right hand so mm. between his really driving sort of full sound and ian carr's kind of off the wall really really quite idiosyncratic playing Mm. those i think those were the two sort of influences from sort of recorded music yeah and so there were i guess there were three or four people then that really those things came together. Yeah. And mine is, I, I guess, a bit of a a mix of a load of those influences. Yeah. Because I, I suppose, like like you said, obviously there are like, there's two parts mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to the guitar. Mm. There's like the right hand and, uh, and the left hand. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, there's so many different ways you can go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find many people these days sound very similar, at, mm. especially in the Irish scene, I find, because uh, there's a lot of open tuning uh, when people start doing an Irish trad. I, I don't know too much about the Scottish scene, that's why I'm saying Irish. Mm-hmm. But they tend to get introduced to this like very open, uh, dadgad usually tuning and yeah. it's, it's very like ringy all the time and, yeah. and you usually play the same chords you just move the capo yes so that makes the sound even more similar yeah in a way yeah uh, and i think it's a cool style that's mm-hmm. that, that's basically my style because right. <laughs> that's how i learned to play music mm-hmm. but then i got to know guitar players who like yourself, you could play in any key almost, like mm. at least in the folk context. Yeah, uh, and it would sound like it sounds different when you yeah. when you play in G, like you have that strong G uh, foundation, yeah. like, and when you play in D, it's it's different. Yeah, uh, which I think can be a strength. Yeah, I think so. I guess that the dadgad thing, that, that the more open tuning, the thing that appeals about that is that you go one finger, and it sounds great. Yeah, and then maybe two finger. You've got your next chord, and it's, it's a lovely sound. Like it's very, yeah. it's a powerful sound. It's really open and it's really ringing, and and I and you have, the, you have the bass as the, the lowest string, which yeah. is handy. Yeah, so you've got that sort of, especially in D, especially with with Irish music, you're playing a lot of D and G, mm-hmm. and it's strange in, in standard tuning. Your lowest D is kind of three strings. Yeah, up, so D you know? is kind of a bad key in yeah. in a way. Yeah. It can it can be a little. It can feel a little bit like. Do you oh, ever drop it like the E string? Occasionally, normally, I would, yeah, not often, but no. s- sometimes, and only for a very specific effect. More often for songs. Yeah. More often for songs, because I like to try and find something else interesting to do with it. So, I I learned in standard tuning because that's what my dad played in, and I, I've tried dadgad a couple of times. Maybe it's laziness, but I always just thought, oh, but... I already know how to yeah. <laughs> do all the chords or do all the the closed chords, and I I didn't really want to learn the different shapes, and it, it did feel a little bit more restricting. It felt a little bit more like that's designed to sound good in two right. or three specific keys. Yeah, and then the thing of the capo, I I sort of pride myself on 
not having to use one. Mm-hmm. I I like knowing how to play in any key. Yeah. It's like I maybe maybe it's from playing the fiddle. He's like, well, if you're playing in E flat, then you learn what an E flat scale is. There's no, there's the no there's no cap. Well. Maybe, <laughs> but it's that that's that same thing of is there a workaround for it, or do you actually just play in e flat, for example, if you think of the guitar as a as an accompaniment instrument, you want it to sound as together with mm. the melody as possible, and so if someone's playing a fiddle in G or D. It sounds really open. You've yeah. got an open D string, an open G string, an open A. They're going to ring out. The instrument is going to be really resonant sure. in that key. Same, you can make the same thing happen. Mm-hmm. G and D and in either tuning, whether it's dad, grad or standard, you can make those sound really open. And normally what I'm trying to do is make standard tuning sound as open as possible. So yeah. when I'm playing in G or D, I'm often not putting the third note of the scale in. I no. use a lot of fifth chords or you yeah. know, sort of trying to trying to make it sound as ringing as I can. And that works in those keys. And then, in well, more so in Scottish music than in Irish music, we've got quite a lot of F or B flat or mm-hmm. E flat. We've got cl- more <clears throat> closed keys. And on a fiddle, as soon as you start playing one of those keys... Sounds different. The instrument sounds way more closed. Yeah, it's darker. There's, yeah. It's darker, it's more... It's it's not nearly as reverberant because there are fewer open strings that you can play. And maybe, it's, maybe it comes from having a knowledge of that instrument that normally I'm I mostly tend to accompany fiddles mm-hmm. and that's I play fiddle as well so I I understand what that key sounds like and to me to be putting a capo maybe on the first fret and playing really open ringing chords doesn't work no, with the sound it. that the melody oh. instrument is playing is making they're playing a really closed sound and you're like yeah. ringing away at it to me it sounds much more in keeping with melody, huh. if you're playing more closed chords, and they can still they can still be those those five chords, they can still have that ringing sound to it, but the whole thing sounds way more together. Yeah. If the two instruments are making a, a, a more closed or a more open huh. sound, so that's that's part of it is avoiding capos to be able to make the same kind of sound as the melody instrument. Yeah, that's really interesting. Never heard that perspective. Well. You heard yeah. it here at the Focusing Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think part of it, maybe it started with wanting, not wanting to look like you don't know what you're doing, almost. But I think I think largely... Because there's a certain pride in it as well. Yeah, like, I don't need a, a capo. To- yeah, there's a total pride in it. Like, I I use capo for for song gigs. I would I would do that because... It makes it's, sense. It's a, maybe it's a more intricate kind of thing that you're doing it makes it makes more sense to me in that way I think perhaps song the, the key of a song is going to change depending on this the person singing it you know whereas if someone's chosen to write a tune in this particular key maybe that's just a load of waffle <laughs> um I'm more likely to have a, a more intricate part that relies on open strings or something for song but yeah there's there's a definite pride in it I can say hand on my heart that I've never used a capo for a, a Blazing Fiddles gig, I think, ever, apart from when we play with singers. Yeah. <laughs> I'd put that on okay. there. But yeah, there, there's there's definitely a pride in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no shame about that. Oh, there's no shame in pride. No. <laughs>
But how um, how different would you say uh, it is to be like a guitar guitarist? For example, when you did the gig with Bruce on just just the two of you the mm-hmm. other day, and with uh, with um, Blazing Fiddles with piano and stuff, like how do you think differently in a way, or is just you play louder? And <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the the duo gigs. I I really love duo work on the guitar because it's it's an instrument that's got so much potential. It can be just you know, it can be rhythm, it can just be play really basic chords, but just you can be the drummer or you can sure. be the bass line or you can be filling things out. I I really like having different roles. When there's just me, I think I tend to play busier parts. I'm trying to put a bass line in and have yeah, off beats and play interesting more space chords. For it, like, yeah. yeah, there's more space for it, but then I think I play slightly more simply in Blazing Fiddles because Angus has got the bass part going on here sure. and he can put rhythm in as well. I tend to be more sort of the, I guess I tend to be more like the, the hi-hat or whatever part of the drum kit it is. It tends to be a more rhythmic thing yeah. in Blazing Fiddles. Um, but the gig with Bruce... I guess it, those kind of things are less head down and go for it. You know, the yeah. Blazing Fiddles gig can be really sort of energetic. So yes. when there's when there's more <clears throat> space within the music of just one person playing, I think I'll do more things like it, it doesn't feel like such a drop yeah. to then start playing the tune one time through or something. You yeah. know, it feels like there's there's a almost a larger dynamic range yeah. in a smaller. Ensemble, and there's also easier to react on each other's dynamics, which is something I like with smaller ensembles yeah. and smaller sessions, even. Yeah, even absolutely. Like if you don't know the people you're playing with, you can always like, yeah, just play off each other dynamically. Yeah. Whereas if it's a big band or a big session, you have to, yeah, you have to like arrange that up front. Okay, for the second yeah. time around, what will we go go down like? But yeah, you can't really deviate from it. No, I suppose that's even in a duo. That's what happens when you you have your arrangement. And you can't, you don't move so much from it. But I think um, Bruce is quite a responsive player. Yeah. And he he's uh, he's really good fun to play with because he's just got so much energy in there. Sure. But he's also quite a dynamic player. And I, I really like that playing, just sort of playing with the music rather than mm-hmm. sort of, well, this is what we do here. It feels like yeah. you've got more potential to try something else out. Whereas if, I guess... <laughs> It feels maybe more like you're traveling at a greater speed or something in that bigger band. If you try something different, you've got five other people that might turn around and go, what happened? Yeah, yeah. I think because my, my role in Blazing Fiddles tends to be more just be solid and just once you're in, just keep going. And sure. To, to sort of throw something different in there might just, what? Might yeah. just freak everybody out. Um, but there's a nice thing in that duo of being able to, to come and go with it and try mm. things out. Do you do many duo or smaller ensembles these days? Um, yeah, so Bruce has been doing quite a few gigs because he put a new album out last year. Oh. And, um, Are you on it? Yeah, Angus and I oh. co-produced that oh, for brilliant. him. Um, and he and I, throughout lockdown actually, every day we did a live Facebook uh, show from his pub. Sorry, so, every day? Every day. So we did a we did a thing called Live at Five, and it started just before lockdown in March 2020. I went back north for a few days, and I was in his pub in Inverness, and we went and 
He said, you know, every day we'll be here throughout lockdown, however long this lasts. And we thought it was going to be a couple three of weeks. weeks. <laughs> right. And then it turned out I couldn't go, I couldn't travel from my home into Inverness. I was without, it was out with the, the travel limit. So I would be online in my bedroom at home and he was online in his living room and we would just talk yeah. and we would play videos loads of musicians would send in videos huh. or messages and oh. it became this online community yeah, and we did that. it we did it every day from the start of march i think until the start of july and it was just live at five it was called but this still happens now every friday we had to miss yesterday because of the the gig but it happens oh. now every friday at five o'clock and it's still the same thing but now we're allowed to be back in the pub i go there whenever i can so where can people find this I... uh, mcgregor's is the pub so no but on the internet yeah mcgregor's oh, facebook page okay yeah so the, the, the pub is mcgregor's pub in inverness and it's on their facebook and there's a group called scotland's big session so the idea is in September this year, we're going to do live at five in the communities huh. that have taken part in it. So people all over the world, there was a woman in Japan gets up at 3 a.m. to watch it. <laughs> people from Washington State huh. over on the West Coast of the U.S. have come over. They've been over like three times since then. They've become huh. regulars. And the nice thing is, you know, people were there on Facebook going, hey, what does everybody want? I'm first in the bar. Yeah. And it was that, that Friday night sort of feeling. We, we did it every, every day of the week for the first three months of lockdown. And then it became weekly. And I, as a result of that, Bruce and I have ended up doing quite a lot of stuff just the two of us, yeah. which has been really great. Loads of really nice stuff has come out of it. Um, that so, was a nice thing about the lockdown or the COVID, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Like suddenly you had time to just dig into some, yeah. like that album that that I that we played from last mm -hmm. year. That that was definitely like a result of the COVID, because me and Sigrid, the fiddle player, we were like before COVID, we were both too busy with our own things yeah. to like do something together. But then all of a sudden, like we was the only musicians for miles. Like yeah. so, okay, we might as well do Let's this do album something. and yeah. and then this yeah there were so little distractions back then yeah. like yeah. now everything is crazy like again but that's yeah. that's how it was before covid I yeah it feels it <laughs> feels now that we're back to like the before times yeah. a bit but we had which is great we had but real still, time we yeah, had real yeah, yeah. focus and attention yeah. so yeah it's been nice to to work on duo stuff with bruce that's come out of that because i think we spent a few months i was only like eight miles away from him but couldn't travel that distance to go no. and do something live and then when we saw each other again he was you know he'd been thinking about doing this album and it was really nice that the first real sort of playing with somebody that either of us did was with somebody we'd been talking every single day yeah. and talking about music and playing mm. videos from other people or trying to trying to do those horrible videos where you film yourself and then someone else adds their thing on yeah, top of yeah. you. And we've kind of forgotten that that was part of it. I think <laughs> yeah. we've erased that. But we were trying to do those things. But to sit and play was just lovely. Mm. Um, but I've I've played in a, a duo with um, Myra Green, the accordionist, for a, for a long time. So yeah. duo played, smaller ensemble playing has been part of what I do for for ages and I had, yeah. I had a trio for a while and I really enjoy that there's something brilliant about being part of a big band but there's something really fun as well about that yeah that smaller playing so. yeah for sure yeah so uh, I'd like to ask you like uh, as I've alluded to a couple of times I, I 
I'm quite familiar with the Irish folk music scene because I've lived there and mm. been into Irish music for a while. But mm. I don't know too much about the Scottish scene. I have to admit, like, uh, how would you describe it at the moment? Like, we we uh, we touched upon the fact that it's it seems cool mm. <laughs> from what I can see on yeah, Instagram yeah. and the, the oh, few, yeah. few people I know. Everything <laughs> looks cool on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <Andrew. laughs> no, um, but you know what I mean. Like, seems like there's a lot of young people forming bands. Yeah. And there must be. Uh, are there a lot of festivals and gig opportunities? And how how does it work? Yeah. I think it's a really vibrant, really thriving scene at the moment. It's really, it's a really young scene. Uh, and I think that's that's been kind of getting more and more the case over the last... So I've been working, I guess, professionally for maybe nearly, for nearly 20 years. And in the 20 years, it's really changed a lot there are so many more bands now yeah like it it's way cooler than it was <laughs> yeah. like young people are invested in it they're interested in it um i don't know that there's such a sort of deep dive of you know but you you you've discovered the music from your really specific from your valley no, you've kind of got into like... that i think that would have been the case in scotland before but now it's a much more broad church you would call it i suppose yeah. like and the way that we access music now has changed a lot like you can go online and go oh i want to learn about music from anywhere and it's all right there sure. and you can go online and think, oh, hear one track from one person and i think we've got a much we've got a much broader spectrum of influence and as a result of that a lot of the younger like well it's a it feels like a really young scene just now a lot of the bands that are coming through are exploring technology and they're exploring different I, I guess dif different styles of stuff in terms of most young bands now it seems to me write most of their music yeah that seems to be a trend there so that's the that these does seem to be the big trend so i don't know that we've got the thing of their this band is from that place no and they play that music and this band is from a different place and they have a different sound there, yeah. there's there does seem to be a sort it's of like a young scene. scottish scene sound mm. at the moment which is i guess there's a fair amount of electronic influence whether it's through using more electronic instruments or using more effects and everybody's got the sort of the pedal boards and mm. employing the technology a lot more. So it feels like it feels like a really exciting time and it's a really there's a lot of exploration mm. going on. So it, but it's quite a different it's quite a different thing. Yeah, I find it interesting to like ask the question like at what point uh, I mean what is considered like just uh, folk music evolving, yeah, and, and what is considered just folk music paired with something else, and now it's just fusion or whatever, like yeah, like how I mean, as we said earlier, the guitar didn't used to be part of the mm. Scott uh, folk music scene either, so and it now it's so much it's part like, of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but like yeah. the, the the drum kit, well, uh, Kaylee's, well, mm -hmm. I suppose, but uh, as you said, yeah. electronics and yeah. and uh, stuff like that is. Yeah, I wonder if it's I wonder if it's a whole new genre or yeah. something that's developing because it's it's not traditional it's got its roots in traditional music and those mm. rhythms and those shapes of melody but even then 
I think there's a, a lot of bands are sort of thinking of a piece rather than a set of tunes yeah. or something. So there's there's quite a different way of approaching it. So maybe it is maybe it's a new genre because the difference that you can have between people that would fit in the same sort of CD music shop bracket mm-hmm. of folk or traditional music is just so so wide. Yeah. It can it can be so varied. Sure. But maybe that's just maybe that's that you could look at classical and you could have from Bach through to Brahms yeah, through to Shostakovich through to John Cage. You could have all of these different things that still come under this really broad of classical music. bracket of classical. Or mm. same with jazz, same with pop. It's the same with everything, isn't it? We maybe our bracket is just widening, mm. and that's an interesting. It's a really exciting. It's a really exciting thing. I think it's a really exciting scene to be part of at the moment to yeah. to to watch this new thing developing. Yeah. It seems to be an interest for it around the world as well. Like huge, yeah. It's it's cool. But mm. like it's this thing of going, how is it how is it cool? <laughs> Why was it not cool with yeah. that? <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. But yeah, it's it's really it's amazing to see and the shows become loads more of a, a show. Like bands like Elephant Sessions uh, Talisk, Emar, there are there are a few bands on the go at the moment that it's a proper Yeah, they're taking a lot everything. of inspiration from like pop uh, yeah. culture, pop or pop productions yeah. and everything with branding and, yeah. uh, and the shows and, and it's amazing and then you think why not? Yeah, why not? Like the people that have always played this, we've always kinda thought it's cool. I've always thought that yeah. playing <laughs> the fiddle is really cool. I've always loved <laughs> playing this kind of music. I've always thought it was a cool thing to do mm-hmm. so why not why like, not why not be a, lights yeah, yeah why not be a rock star at the same time like R- right why <laughs> yeah why not like it's actually it's been around for hundreds of years and actually what we that, that sort of pop and the cool stuff is so new it's so recent sure so why not take that attitude to like the trad stuff and go that's right that's yeah like get up and dance and yeah, yeah. have a beat with it and like i think i suppose it makes it more accessible to more people yeah. as well because as you said like you can hear beats and grooves that you're more your ears are more used to like and mm-hmm. and hopefully that can work as a gateway drug and to more traditional stuff that's uh, it yeah that's it and you, you see people at festivals going oh yeah I heard, well i heard or we quite often i heard so and so on the radio and i saw they were playing at this festival and i came along and i'd never seen you guys but what's amazing you know it's yeah it's cool how people it's that same thing of You'd played jazz and then ended up finding Irish music, went to Ireland, came back, found the music from from home. It's yeah. I guess maybe the maybe how you get to it doesn't really matter. And then no. the more the more open it is to people finding their way into it, then I guess it's going to be easier for for people to find something that they that they love. Yeah, yeah. I find it very hard to like find things to criticize about music develop. Uh, there's mm. always people who like. Oh, this isn't traditional, or, yeah. or oh, this is wrong. Music shouldn't go this way, or like I find yeah. it very hard to like have those kinds of opinions because mm. maybe my gut reaction is sometimes, ah, oh, this is just making the music dumber. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. But then I think about it. So what? Yeah, <laughs> I've had that. I've had that exact same thought. Like, I think, I I don't think I have always been so open to it, and I don't know that it's. I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be honest to say that I always enjoy 
the the way it's it's going. I, I you know sometimes I think it's the perfect thing and I love it. Yeah. And then sometimes I can get a wee bit frustrated with it and <laughs> yeah. I just want to hear a tune and you know there there is there's a there is a bit of both and I, I think I would have been probably when I was funnily. I think when I was younger, I was much more inclined to go, no, no, it shouldn't be that, it's this. Yeah. Which is, I, which seems like quite an, an outdated way to think about it. But maybe when I was younger, I had been, I'd come from a much more trad kind of background. And then as you get more exposed to things, you kind of, yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, I think I've, I've become more, Maybe it's more understanding of it. Yeah, I just think that's part of it because I think yeah. I have like similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Like when I got into, and I think this is also very typical. When I got into trad uh, already as an adult, I got really invested in it, and like, oh, these are my heroes. Like, right. like no one's ever going to be better than the Danon. Yeah, that's okay. the greatest band ever. Like, yeah, why bother? Yeah, why, why would anybody? Bo- why would you yeah, try like to make you new destroy music? music the Danon have already perfect. done it. Yeah. Leave it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's uh, that's definitely part of it. And, but even I, I guess not even in folk music. Like a couple of years ago, I went to see um, I went to see a, a singer. I went to see Ray Montaigne, who I'd always loved from when I was a student, and I had loved his first two albums. And I had seen him, I think, maybe three or four times when I was a student. I thought, it was amazing. And then about four years ago, he came over. He was back on tour in the UK. I thought, oh, I'll go see Ray LaMontagne again. Mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. And I realised that what had happened was 10 years had passed since I last saw him. Yeah. Or last bought one of his albums. I'd still been listening to the two albums that I loved. Yeah. But he'd released another five albums. Yeah, so his and written l- taking yeah, a different uh, direction. He's written now. loads of music. And he came on stage at the gig, and I think he performed like two or so, two or three songs that I knew. I'm yeah. sitting there going, "Why has he done this? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he not just doing the first album, which came out in like 2003 or something?" Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I find myself sitting there going, "Why has he changed?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh no!" I was sitting there as a musician, yeah. m- moaning about the fact yeah, that exactly. somebody that I loved has developed and yeah, written new music yeah. like oh i'm the i'm the problem here like, it's not it's not him i'm the problem i, I really feel feel for this like heritage rock bands like like yeah. like think about like being deep purple on tour like yeah. everyone no one wants to hear what they've done for the last 40 years no one Just cares give us the hits from that's the it. 70s like that's it. Do you that's smoke all, all we want is smoke yeah, on the water yeah. but then you f- it's funny because you go and see those you're going to you, if you find yourself in the audience at one of these sort of like really established heritage bands and people are shouting for it, it's like you find yourself going, of course they're going to play it. Yeah, they yeah. know that's why everyone's here. Yeah. Give them a break. They're yeah. not going to do it first because then you'll leave. Yeah, exactly. And they need you to buy stuff at the bar. Yeah, but yeah, they, that, that's and the, and recorded on your album. Let them yeah. play a couple of songs. Going to a couple. Yeah. But I went to see. There's a, a Scottish band uh, called Delamitri. The same sort of thing. Like they've been on the go. I guess since the eighties. It's kind of pop rock stuff. And uh, I went to see them. They had a new album out. And I loved how honest the guy was. He just said, you know, they got, they opened with like seven or eight classics and the audience were like, yeah, yeah. and then he goes, okay, guys, so we've got a new album out. Yeah. We're going to have, this This is the section of the night where we're going to play some stuff from the new album. So if you're here for the classics, time to go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do like five or six. And by the time you get back from the bar, we'll be back into the old stuff. Yeah. And fair play. 
they were so honest about it. And then about a third of the audience went, right, well, I'll go to the bar. Then. <laughs> and everyone was happy. Yeah, Everyone not? was happy because why the band not? were happy because the people that didn't want to hear that stuff had gone. And the people who didn't want to hear it felt like they'd been given fair warning to just go and get a yeah. pint and come back and hear the classics again. So kind of a nice way to do it. Yeah, Very honest. Let's, let's, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Okay, so uh, I'm just a bit conscious of your time because you're off to something somewhere. Mm. But that's okay. If we have we covered, do you, what do you have to go and take more photos? Sorry. Do you have to go and take yeah, pictures yeah. and stuff tonight? So we're both busy this okay. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you have any? Uh, what 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 are you up to these days? Do you have any upcoming projects or stuff like that? Um, yeah, Blazing Fiddles are working on a new album, which will upset the traditionalists <laughs> who just want us to play the old stuff. Uh, we've been working on new stuff, which has been really exciting. We started working on it just before. Covid hit. We, I think, we'd put three or four things together and had just managed to finish a tour two weeks before the lockdown in the UK. So we'd played that stuff in, and it's been brilliant to come back to that and then develop it some more. So we're hoping to have a new album out uh, this winter. How is that process? Uh, how does that process work? Um, how do you find tunes and stuff like that? Everyone kind of brings stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a a bit of a mix. Sometimes there's there's arrangement by committee where someone's got one tune and they want to do this, and that's more time consuming. It's very time, but usually, pro- also, I find it usually pro- uh, produces the best results. Yeah, but everyone feels very, invested. Mm, yeah, and that's another thing as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's I I like that, but also I guess we have to sometimes be pragmatic, or I guess stylistically one of the one of the sets we'll play would be a set of Shetland tunes. Jenna's from Shetland yeah. and she'll come with here are, a set, here are a couple of tunes that could go together mm-hmm. and then we arrange them as a band we'll always work on the arrangement together but okay. sometimes someone will just go these three yeah. and then you know that that part of oh, which order will we do them in well fair enough we can decide on that as a band but it's quite nice sometimes to have this is a Rice Shetland set or this is going to be a, a Highland set and Bruce mm-hmm. will have a few ideas for that so yeah it can it can take a couple of different shapes but it's it's better to work on it with all six people there, but that's not always possible because everyone's so busy and we yeah. live in different places. Um, but yeah, we try and we try and do it with at least sort of three or four people there, so there, there's yeah, okay, yeah. so that you've got the majority yeah. there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we've been working on that. Um, I play in a fiddle quartet called Rant, and we're yeah. at the same at the same stage of trying to put some new stuff together. We, we've got a, a, a new member joined recently, so we're working on some things and a couple of different recording projects and I've been doing a, a bit of radio presenting work that I'm really enjoying as well so oh, so you have it's like busy. A, a program that you're hosting or what? yeah I've been I've been doing a I've been doing a, a lot of it um a program for the BBC uh, called Traveling Folk Bruce used huh. to present it and he right. recently stood down after 12 years of doing it so uh, I've been doing a lot of that over the summer and, right. and loving it mm. so yeah it's it feels like a feels like a really exciting time there's a lot of new stuff going on and sounds great really enjoying it yeah so when's the uh, when's the blazing album uh, blazing album <laughs> well <laughs> the blazing fiddles album coming out hope hopefully hopefully maybe november i think we were full of ideas that we would have it out for august yeah and um, because we're doing a tour in august with the fantastic singer hannah rarity 
She's a brilliant oh, yeah, she's great. Scottish yeah. singer. Yeah, I know um, so we're doing a, a gig with her, or a wee tour with her in August, and we thought, right, we'll have it for then. And we were never going to have it for nope. then. This is so ambitious. Yeah. So, yeah, we're hoping we have our next <clears throat> sort of English tour would be in November, and we're really hoping that we can get it together for then. Sure. So, yeah, Brilliant. that's the that's the fingers crossed. That's the plan. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. It was nice to meet you and chat with you. And you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good luck with the rest of the festival. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. And I'll see you around. See you soon, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Folk Music Podcast. As I said in the intro, this is uh, the first in a series of uh, 10 episodes this season. So uh, I'm really curious to hear what you think about these new plans for the show. Um, as always, please send uh, your thoughts, feedback, uh, suggestions, ideas my way. Um, you can reach out via email at thefolkmusicpodcast at gmail.com or uh, you can reach me through uh, social media. Also, I'm very grateful if you choose to check out the Patreon account. Uh, you can find it via the link on the show website or you can go directly to patreon.com slash thefolkmusicpodcast. So there'll be more information about the Patreon thing coming up in the next few weeks, I'm sure. Uh, but I think I'll leave you with this for now. So um, with that said, have a nice week and I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>